You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Welcome to another episode of The Potato Files. I am your host, Jeff Paul, the human potato of comedy. My guest today in the Never Sleep studio. It does smell like Hamilton, guys, because we've got comedian Clifford Myers in-house. How are you today, Clifford? Do you like Clifford or Cliff? I like uh, whatever you want to call me offstage is fine, but onstage, I swear I got Clifford only. It's it's always Clifford? Oh, can't be Cliff. You know show business. I know. Who's going to go see Cliff Myers at a show? No one. I would see it. No. Clifford, Clifford Myers, you see that in lights. Cliff Myers, it. fuck that guy. My grandfather's name was Clifford, and that's the last Clifford I ever met. Well, I'm assuming your grandfather was white? Yeah. See, very strange, because uh, <laughs> that's the thing with Clifford. It's not a very white name. Really? Oh, yeah. The big boom with Clifford was during the Cosby show, Cliff Huxtable. Uh, yeah. Right? My grandpa was born long before the, the Long Cosby before the, <laughs> the Huxtable way. Yeah, yeah. He, he was rocking those sweaters real early in life. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the thing. Like, uh, it was weird when I started doing stand-up and I was doing a, do you remember Wait, honey- did, did you just imply you're named after a black rapist well, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I wish <laughs> I'm uh, I was I'm from that era but like no my mom actually named me after Dr. Clifford from General Hospital oh. who moved on to become Jack on the Young and the Restless Wow, I know you watched that. Yeah, big steps, right? <laughs> yeah, is, he, is he still on there? Do you do you, do you watch your stories? I <laughs> my story. <laughs> that's so close. Honestly, I would assume that him and Victor are probably still on there. Like, why would you get rid of your stars? Yeah, I don't. I don't know how soap operas go, but I, I know there's some actors that can just uh, get on there and just that's their job for thirty years, which is nuts. Yeah, you have to think about like what we grind on a daily basis, uh-huh. and then you look at like a soap actor <laughs> and just like every day. They're just pretending to be in love with their cousin, and then like, don't shoot my baby, and that's their entire job. And, and then us in real life, we're just actually in love with our cousins. Yeah, like it's just we have to hide it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, some good backstory on the name, named after General Hospital Doctor. What was it, Clifford? Uh, Doctor Clifford. I don't know what his last name was on the show. Dr. I was uh, unborn at the time. So I take it your mom liked the stories, then, eh? Oh, my mom loves the stories. She, uh, she's still around. Yeah, yeah, what an awkward I question. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, no, she's still around. I, I've asked people, like, what does your mom do? Oh, she lies in the ground. That's what she does. No, <laughs> she just moved, like, uh, during that housing bubble last year. She hit it right when it was hot. Nice. Sold her house for, like, quadruple what she paid for it, and then moved further away. Quadruple where... in Hamilton? That's No, like... Oshawa. Oh, Dirty Oshawa. Shaw- I'm, re- I'm originally from Oshawa, and I live in Hamilton, just so you know how okay. gross I am of a human. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got to get out of the shore. Wow, let's get the Hamilton. Well, I would say, like, I feel like I'm going on, like, these lily pads of shitty cities <laughs> where it's, like, Oshawa, Hamilton, and I'm going to land in Windsor and die in Detroit. There you go. You know? Just, <laughs> like, I feel like that's been my trajectory so far. I did live in Toronto for a little bit. Why did you move? Uh, well, Not I was here for boy? 15 months. I was here for, like, film school. Okay. And I didn't like the city. I just thought it was too much, too uh, overwhelming. I, it wasn't for me. It uh, it can be that way. Because when I first, I, I grew up in uh, Niagara Lake. Uh, yeah, that's around, right. Just around the Golden Horseshoe from Hamilton. And I... Uh, I love performing there, by the way. Like Oast House and places oh, like that. Oh, the Oast, so, buddy. Big, so good. Big sponsor this year for the Icebreakers Comedy Festival. So <laughs> check them out. Um, I think this podcast is coming out uh, like after the Icebreakers Comedy Festival. So okay. we're doing good already. We're doing good already. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Oast is great. But I uh, I never wanted to be a, a city guy. Yeah. And I, I went to school in London, Ontario. And I was like, this is city enough for me, you know? Like, it was uh, big enough that you could do stuff, but not too big that I just uh, I was overwhelmed. And then, uh, then I got a job with CTV in Scarborough. So I moved to Scarborough. That's where I was born, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Then, then I, uh, instead of uh, migrating into the city, I migrated to the suburbs, bought my ex-wife a lovely house out in Ajax. Wonderful. Yeah. Is she still enjoying it? Uh, I believe she sold it. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, sold it with all our hopes and dreams that we had together. Oh, wonderful. But what are you going to do? Yeah, because I think when I first started stand-up, you were still married. No chance. Eight years ago? I started stand-up after I got divorced. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, um... I get the timelines confused. I didn't really, uh... 
because my my whole timeline of like my trajectory of comedy was weird because I first time I ever did stand up was in two thousand eight, but I didn't do anything after that. I didn't like go out and wait. I, I hit like a mic here and there. Your first time doing stand up was two thousand eight. Yeah, man. And then so we're around the same amount of time in stand up. Well, I didn't I started, I didn't do anything with it for like almost two to three years, and then. Uh, yeah, I'd say about it was like 2011. That's when I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go back and give this a shot. Like, See, I, that shocks me because I started in 2009, mm-hmm. and I don't know where in there I met you for the first time, but I know it was when they were doing the Crown and Dragon shows with the Wings, and yeah, that was after all. Like, that was like 2011. Was that, that 2011? Yeah, around, yeah, then. around then. Because yeah, I, I came in and then because uh, you like, were guest hosting. Yeah, and then uh, I, I made friends real quick with uh, like Hunter and K Trev and uh, Horwood. K Trev's the first guy that told me about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. K yeah. Trev really took me under his wing as soon as uh, as soon as I came in, which was good because he was pretty established and on his way up. Do you think that maybe influenced you becoming really good faster? Because uh, when I saw you in 2011, you were a very strong comic. So what I think it was. That's uh, why I thought then you would have been like a six, seven year guy at that point. What I think it was, was. Um, Cause I didn't start till later in life and I'd already had a divorce behind me and yeah. I had like shit to talk about. And like, like my jokes were like real jokes. Of, yeah. Uh, like yeah. real shit. And it wasn't like, a, I wasn't a teenager, like making fart jokes, shit like that, you know, even but I still I, make a good fart. Even joke. when I started at 23, I really didn't have anything to talk about. Yeah. You don't yeah. have anything. And like, I was, uh, I guess I'm 31 when I'm like, okay, I'm going to be a comedian. And then I was like, I had, I just had life experience I had like confidence in myself too much, like be- before I was even a stand-up. Yeah, like I was always like uh, I could talk to people, like like I go up to girls at bars and just strike up conversation. I was never you're ner- just you're that guy. Yeah, I was just never nervous about yeah. like I was completely nervous when I started doing stand-up because it's a whole new beast and you don't know what the fuck you're doing. But uh, it's I I progressed quickly because I was. I don't know, just my personality helped me fucking... It's so interesting to me, because most people, like, a lot of times we're just, like, passing cars, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we say, oh, hi, oh, hey. Like, that's a lot of what this thing is, is, yeah, like, I see a lot of people in passing, but I don't ever get to sit down and really be like, hey, what makes you a comic? Yeah. I didn't know it was after your divorce. That makes a lot of sense to me, because uh, once I started getting more pain in my life, I definitely became a funnier comedian. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Like, I I have, uh, I'm getting married in uh, September, my lovely congrats brother kira and i always uh yell at her because she's she's ruined me as a comic because i uh, i don't know man i've I've got no angst anymore you know like i've got no there's no heartache there's a now it's just you know what though like comedy is always zigging and zagging oh i know i completely know i just through that negative era now we can go up and talk about lovey-dovey bullshit and it's still funny yeah no i i i i I, I know that i'm just yeah i just like to blame somebody because you know just for laughs hasn't come knocking yet (laughs) like it's your fault yeah well you're they're not gonna get on icebreakers exactly exactly (laughs) well you know and everyone keeps saying to me because i have a kid they're like oh now that you have a kid you must have like so many stories for the stage and it's like well a child is a like a universal sort of thing anything mm-hmm. i'm experiencing with my kid everyone's experienced so i'm assuming yeah. every comic has touched on it yeah, yeah, yeah so i actually don't have anything you don't do any kid material i have like two story two stories that were like unique to me they stuck out and i was like okay i'm gonna go on that but mm. I, I gotta wait until it's like personal and unique i don't want to just be like oh it's so weird my your kid ever in. puke on you yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> right? I don't want to touch on what everyone's touched on. Mm-hmm. Well, you just got to uh, have an interesting kid, I guess, eh? Well, yeah. Like, uh, What's like, your boy's name again? His name's Henry. Henry, that's a good name. Good it's a strong name. Hen- well, his full name's Henry Bronson Myers. Jesus Christ. I know. That is... Uh, he could be an author. He could be a street fighter. A lumberjack. Lumberjack. He's already a lumberjack. He's, he's honestly... He was born... Or the coolest gay guy of all time. <laughs> well, his first word was out. Oh. I know. <laughs> like, that was actually his first word. And I'm like, oh, that's so 2017 of you. <laughs> his, his first words were, I, I don't have a gender. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, if he ever comes to me in like 16 years old, hey, dad, I think I'm gay. I'm like, hey, don't worry, since you're a kid. I, I've known the whole time, right? You've always been out. You've never been in. <laughs> um, do you uh, do you worry about things 
of such things? Would you uh, would you care if your son came out gay or no? Or gay? It's know. it's interesting. I I come from a religious Christian background. Yeah, you're before, very religious. Are you very saying? very religious. Yeah. yeah. Before I went into uh, comedy, I was in Bible college mm-hmm. to be a pastor, and I got expelled and uh, for like running around naked and playing my dick. <laughs> and so <laughs> you know how these things go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're supposed uh, to keep that kind of behavior in the rectory. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're supposed to wait till you got the job. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I, I feel like I have a really interesting standpoint that I've done a lot of swings culturally, even in my own personal beliefs, that mm-hmm. I've been, like, very involved in faith culture, very involved in that religious sect, even to the point where I've had culty type behavior, like, attached to my family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, being a comedian and being involved in stand-up has really brought more of that humanity of working in bars with real people, with yeah. real problems, and there's not so much propriety, yeah. which is a kind of a big deal so for me i've had to really kind of figure out what it is i actually believe because uh it's a lot of i love people telling me what to believe mm-hmm. i love it there's nothing <laughs> i love like please just tell me how to be i would actually love it if you told me what to do in my act like i hate even thinking about what jokes i do tonight i'm that much Jesus, of a, could you write me a new five i'm such a mind numbing <laughs> zombie that way and, and a willing zombie mm-hmm. and that's kind of the problem is we're all zombies but how many are willing to admit that yeah. we're just going with the flow trying to survive socially right well let's take her back to the beginning then you're born Oshawa yeah but oh I just wanted to okay, finish sure. I was like so if my son came out as gay what's interesting about that is it's like my mo- my wife's side of the family my mom oh my god it's Freudian shit right there <laughs> my wife's side of the family is like extreme Pentecostal mm-hmm. so they would really like that would actually be like almost like earth shattering to them yeah, yeah. whereas like and that's what I'm afraid of I'm, I'm afraid of the other members of my family mistreating my child for his decisions but me and my wife we knew something someone recently who was gay and killed himself because he wasn't accepted by his family oh shit and the moment we found out like it was really sad it was someone that used to come out to a lot of my shows and uh lost a fan i I only have six so it's like come on guys had to talk to the family like stop killing my fans so savage (laughs) but like she turned to me she's like we can never ever isolate this kid yeah we can never ever do that so i actually think we're gonna have the opposite problem i think we're gonna over accept it we're gonna over he's he's gonna have to one day admit to you that he's straight yeah yeah. (laughs) dad i I hate to break it i hate to tell you but i'm into girls (laughs) and they uh they hit on me back it's really different than your experience But yeah, originally from Oshawa. So born in Oshawa, mom and dad, what do they do? My mom, she's Portuguese. <laughs> That's what she does. She's like Portuguese <laughs> all day. <And laughs> so yeah, my mom, uh, she was like fresh off the boat too. Like she okay. came from Portugal. She's had a really traumatic life. Like a really like, almost like something you'd read out of a book, you mm-hmm. know? Like very epic kind of tale. When she was in Portugal, she lived on the island. She was a real life Katniss. Hunting rabbits with a bow and arrow. What the fuck? Yeah, that was like my mom's life. She was legit. That was her. And then... She was wearing like cod pieces and stuff. (laughs) Uh, Like, she tells me stories of... uh, you know, her life in uh, like school, in elementary school, and it sounds like a chapter from Anna Green Gables. Because yeah. she's like, this boy tried to kiss me, and I kicked him down the stairs. <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, oh, you kicked him down the stairs? You, you didn't, like, tell New York Times? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Times have changed, Mom. <laughs> you just full-out booted the guy. Hey, why didn't somebody just kick Harvey Weinstein down a flight of stairs, hey? <laughs> well, my mom might have done it. Like, some problems. Bitch, poof. Got rid of but yeah like she uh she was married very young like around like 19 18 married over there yeah in portugal and she was in a car and her husband was in the car in front of her and the dude gets t-boned oh shit boom dies in front of her fuck right my mom's just devastated her husband's killed in this car crash and it's awful and then no kids with the guy like it's pretty early two weeks later My mom's pregnant. Jesus. Right? Widow, pregnant. Goes full term, nine months. Stillborn. Holy fuck, man. Dude, we're not done. (laughs) A month later, her dad's driving along the cliffside. Another car's coming. He was a truck driver. He swerved, falls off the cliff. He dies. Oh, my God. 
God. So this all happened like in one year. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just like, whoa, fuck Portugal. <laughs> like, she's like, I can't handle this. She had family in Canada, but she had no idea how she was going to get there. So she ends up in Rome. She's working for this guy in Italy, and she's a housekeeper. She's cleaning his house. She ends up having a fling with this guy, right? Like a like a full out like. I told you about this. Oh, right? my mom is so wonderfully open. Like we talk about sex and death at the dinner table. It's right. beautiful, right? And so she comes in and like yeah, she's um, working this guy, and he pays her way to Canada. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's just to get rid of her. He's like, oh, God, I shouldn't have started up with <laughs> Survivalist <laughs> through and through. going to be home. I better, send this one <laughs> yeah, I better send her home. And then she ends up here. And my dad, he has a, a pretty high, uh, he's high functioning, but he has a learning disability. Mm-hmm. And even on his report cards in the 1970s, it said retarded right on Jesus. his report cards. Really, like, that was hard for me as a kid to look at my dad's old report cards. It says retarded. And I'm trying to understand why my dad likes my Hot Wheels more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> right? like, that was bad dad, but, dad you can't use this word anymore <laughs> no my dad's actually a wonderful beautiful man just very simple mm-hmm. but at the time it was misconstrued in the 70s right it was like they called him retarded mm-hmm. and so my mom didn't understand that my dad had a learning disability because she met him when her english was very broken they met in a bookstore they get married right i i like that your um your dad who's a simple man still in a bookstore <laughs> There's pictures in bookstores. There's pictures. I wonder what section he was in. <laughs> I would assume, uh, actually, no, uh, Harlequin romances. Uh, That's a, the, the one genre my dad loves. And, like, uh, he has so many books with the Fabio types on the oh covers. My. Oh, yeah. And he has one of those beds where the head has a bookshelf in it. Yeah. So he can just pull one out before bed and just find out what Silvio's going to do. <laughs> right? And, uh, yeah, he was in a bookstore. I met my mom not too long after. They had a relationship. They got married together for three years. As three years is going on, her her English is, uh, you know, getting better. She's starting to see the reality of uh, what it is. Like, (laughs) oh, I married a guy with a disability. And which is okay. Like, my mom actually completely accepted it. It was like, okay, uh, I still love this man. It's a lifetime of winning arguments. Yeah, it was good, you know, and then, but my dad had a hard time with the independence being away from his family and being with a wife and like it was, and my mom's very uh, strong willed. And so she's a bit of a pit bull. Mm -hmm. And so because she is a creature of conflict for someone like my dad, like this is like throwing him to the wolves. This is such a bad thing. So he had a crisis and he was just like, I'm out of here. He left us when uh, I was one. No other siblings. So my mom ended up having a, a, my little brother with my stepfather okay yeah so i have a half brother and three older step siblings all right blended yeah weirdo blended family and uh yeah so they split up when it was one it was just us till i was five and then that's when the stepdad swooped in okay and i even remember the day almost like cinematically like him coming up the stairs with his three kids <laughs> and they're like tromping like elephants and i just knew my life was ruined <laughs> like i just knew something was happening that my was ruining my life yeah yeah because before this me and my mom would have uh, ginger ale dinners and champagne glasses mm-hmm. right we'd have our champagne <laughs> we'd watch perfect strangers i sat on her nice, lap and we nice. laugh at bulky bulky's the best it's fucking best <laughs> and it, you know something about being possessive about having your mom yeah to be yours was so special to me and then uh and then i lost it when what those I, people travel uh, upstairs just before they show up um what's uh dad leaves you when you're one but is he still around? He's st- like, is he close by? Do you see him a lot? Or court stuff has to go through some, you know, the ugliness of divorce. And then, uh, and what's your dad do for a living? My dad's a janitor with the Toronto District School Board. Okay, okay. yeah, so he's, he's still like he's retiring this summer. Like, thank he's goodness, been in there. He's got a pension. All that oh yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. He's good. set to go. My dad's like, good, and it, good that the simple people can. Uh, and make a go of it <laughs> dude and he kills it man because the kids love him because he can actually do a perfect cricket noise like he, he, i don't even know how to do it he does a perfect cricket noise and he'll just go up to kids and pre- like he'll like hide and pretend like there's crickets in their locker <laughs> shit like that like it's just like and like as i get older i'm really appreciating who my dad is mm-hmm. i'm like oh man you're unintentionally the most hilarious person i know nice 
Because he's just always doing weird shit like that. He'll pretend to be a bird. Like, he'll hide in bushes <laughs> and pretend to be a bird. Like, it's just weird stuff like I that. I meet this man. Oh, he's a riot. So he, uh, he, but he still, he stays in Oshawa then? No, he takes off to Uxbridge. And then, okay. so then I end up seeing him every other weekend. And then at the age of 16, I decided on my own to stop seeing him. So that was kind of hard, you know, because uh, it was that age where I really didn't know what to make of a lot of things. Yeah, and you're a rebellious teenager, and you, you're rebellious parents are your teenager. Enemy at that I one of my biggest regrets is mistreating my father from the age of like sixteen to twenty three, twenty four. Mm-hmm. I, I was really mean to him, and I, it's probably one of my biggest regrets. Like, have, you, have you discussed this with him though? Yeah, you've made yeah, amends, I mean, especially now with my son being born just over a year ago. Uh, he's in grandpa mode, and he's loving it. Where like I taught him how to use google hangouts like so we'll do like skyping and that kind of thing with the baby and now it's really cool that we got through all that misunderstanding and confrontation because now we're actually at the heart of a real relationship but when you're a kid you just don't understand yeah right and like do you come from a divorced family yes okay so they do they talk mad shit about each other not so much anymore but it's uh my dad will still drop some jokes here and there but it's not like the the hatred's gone, but it's like that's nice. It's but it was fucking messy for years, and it was like fucking your mom's a cunt. I'm like, well, she's still my mom, so why don't you fucking calm down there? You know, well, that's exactly it, right? When you're a like, kid, your dad's a fucking asshole, and I'm like, yeah, well, so fuck. I would always be defending my mom to my dad and defending my dad to my mom, mm-hmm. right? I got to the point where I actually became a pathological liar because I would make up stories about each other to give the other person fodder for <laughs> me to then defend because that was my identity was yeah. b- being a, on the middle of a string between these two human beings. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was so weird for me. See, right? my, my parents split up when I was... Uh... I was going into grade nine. Oh, so um, you were there for the whole shebang. Yeah, I saw it all. But the the thing is, I their ugliness, then I started using that to my advantage and shit like that, playing them against each other. So I was a, yeah. I was a dickhead teenager about it, but... Um, I don't know, man. It was a messy time. You know, you don't know better. You just do what you got to do to get well, by. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's exactly it. Like, I've been... Uh, I think right now, especially like this is going to sound weird because it's I'm I'm going to bring most things back to comedy just because mm-hmm. in my stand up act I'm constantly reevaluating who I am and what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. That's just what I'm doing constantly and trying to make sure that what I'm saying is substantial. And I have a hard time doing that if there's any element of dishonesty. And so I have to face that shit as the guy that mistreated his own father, the guy that used his parents against each other, all that kind of ugliness that I did. I feel like I need to own because. One day, I'd never know how that's going to be comedy. Mm-hmm. And I won't know if I don't address it, if I don't face it head on. I think that's like all things with comedy. Like, it's there waiting. It's yeah. just you have to face the ugly shit first. Like, mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff in my act right now, like, have been th- through some painful times, especially like the... Those, the, those painful times, they get the best laughs. <laughs> then, then it kind of like doubles on the hurt. I'm like, oh, is that I, what all this was I, for? I, I like they're laughing, but I hate why they're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's the brevity in comedy, right? Mm. Like, I, I think like just psychologically, most comedians come from brokenness, right? So, and that's initially what brought me to wanting to be a pastor was I saw brokenness in the world just with people. Um, Cause the timeline was, uh, I was 18 years old when I went to Bible college yeah. and I was 17 years old. So that's September and February of that year. So before my birthday, I was 17. Um, I saw a murder. Jesus. Yeah, when I was 17 years old, I was working at a street youth drop-in center. Yeah. And, uh, like, uh, one thing led to another, and one of the guys stabbed one of the others. And uh, there's, a, there's a lot more to that story, but that one incident in my life kind of shaped everything. And that's what brought me, like, the next day I was like, oh, the world's bad. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen in the world. Uh, I need to do, I need to respond to the bad things in the world. So I'm going to do that through, and I thought at the time it was through religion. Yeah. Right. Cause I actually felt that weight. Like I was like, well, the world is something that needs saving. Yeah. And then as, as you get older and like the church chewed me up and spit me out. So like, as you get older and you start, like, I started going into comedy for all the wrong reasons, but eventually the right reasons started coming. I started realizing we can't save the world, but we can do like little 
tiny bits of saving mm -hmm. here and there, you know, you, and I'm sure you've gotten it One room at a time, but where an audience member comes up to you and was just like, that's what I fucking needed on this specific. Yeah. Night. Yeah. 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 And, and that was, and then you just accept that it's not a big grand gesture. Yeah. It's nothing exciting. It's nothing that we can just, isn't, you know, like brag about. It's just yeah. something that we got to do mm -hmm. and it's, we get to be proud of that. It's right? fun to do it. I like it. It's a good time. <laughs> uh, okay. So, um, Parents split up. Are, is uh, what's your mom doing for work? Oh, my mom's not working anymore. So, so your like, mom's living off dad. Oh, my mom was working in a diner. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she was working in a diner, and this was when like so. This was it's so funny when you see all the the parenting problems now, like but people complain about it in their buns groups and whatnot. <laughs> because like I think about my mom, she didn't have she didn't have money for a babysitter. So like what did she do? Like we had this system where she would go to the other side of the door, I'd have to grab a chair like you know pull it to the door climb up and uh, put the chain lock on yeah and then she would open it and then give me the instructions of what to do and as like a four-year-old i'm left home alone jesus like i was doing that often i remember the one time she actually forgot the remote control for the tv on top of the tv <laughs> and as a kid it's so far away yeah. and i'm like oh no Everything I was supposed to do today is on top of that TV. <laughs> My entire day is there. So I'm like, what do I do? And uh, and I was like turning around. I remember this so specifically. I was turning around in the living room and things started getting dizzy. And I discovered spinning. <laughs> like, this is so weird, but I discovered it. I discovered it in that moment. And I just started, I just spun for like four hours. I thought it was like that. It makes, it makes sense that I'm an alcoholic now. Because <laughs> at a young age, I was chasing that spin. I was like, as long as I'm dizzy, it I'm feels okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we'll get into that alcoholism in a bit, but I just want to... Um, get down to uh so mom mom and dad split you're living just with your mom yeah how long does this go on till you're five till i'm five and then you meet the stepdad eh? stepdad gm worker you know rough around the edges real oshawa guy oshawa guy how's uh are they still together still together how's your relationship with him He's a good guy. Good guy? Good guy. I like him. Uh, there's a lot of sadness around factory workers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of sadness. My mom was with a GMer for a while after the, the divorce. And, yeah, a lot of sadness, especially with what happened with GM. And uh, and my stepdad was forced into a package and that, that whole shebang. He still wanted two years. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you get a lot of depression and stuff afterwards. So it's been, like, it's been like, difficult trying to support him through that, especially because he has had some heart problems and stuff. Yeah. But he's a good guy. Uh, he didn't treat me well as a kid. He's apologized for that as an adult. Okay. Because, um, you know, from his perspective, he was so happy to have my mom, but he didn't want me as part of the package deal. Yeah, yeah. Because he already had three kids. Yeah. He never wanted a fourth kid. That sounds, that sounds exactly like my family. Oh, yeah? But it was my stepbrother brought into the situation. Okay. And him and my dad never saw eye to eye on anything. And now it's my stepbrother just fucked off and doesn't talk to uh, my dad or my stepmom now. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sucks. Yeah, well. But uh, I was kind of in the same situation, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, he was he was like, I, I always say he was my first bully. Yeah. I, I hate saying that out loud. Even in my head right now, I'm like, is there any way he's going to hear this podcast? <laughs> Nobody listens. I, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, is there any way? Because, like, I feel bad for saying that, but it is true. I do think, like, he was my first bully. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because my, my uh, elementary But the school, thing is, well, if he hears it. He's already, he knows, he's yeah, acknowledged he knows, it he knows, and yeah. has made amends. Because so. him and my, he would get him and my stepbrother to like sit on my head and, you know, like wrestle, like during okay. wrestling and they would sit on me, but I'm so sensitive. Yeah. Like I'm probably the thinnest skin comic around. Like there's no one <laughs> thinner than me, <laughs> which is ironic. You know, so, <laughs> you're a large man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big boy. <laughs> so like, you know, like I'm such a sensitive person. So that to me felt like such an assault. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like, you're sitting on my head. You're stopping me from moving. And like, I was afraid to go home to these people, even though to them, they that was, and he said, it was his way of trying to accept me yeah 
you know, like, well, we how did he treat his own kids? Was he, was he not, a good parent to not them? Not that too? rough. No, not that rough. No, but was he a good parent to them or was he just a, a rough around the edges GM factory worker? Yeah, right? rough around the edges GM worker. Yeah, come yeah. But you know, he, you would see slivers of kindness. Like, uh, so GM worker, you're up at 545 every day, mm-hmm. right? Uh, 545 every day, I'd see my door open a crack, Marvin check on me, and he'd leave. Mm-hmm. Every single day, even in high school, yeah. he just opened the door. Make sure you're home. Make sure I'm here. Make sure I'm okay and leave. That weird, kind gesture kind of just, uh, I got that sliver every day. You always call him Marvin? Yeah, I was calling Marvin. Even like when you were five, you were yeah. calling Marvin from the beginning? Mom wanted me to call him dad. I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I, I've never called my stepmom mom, but I met her when I was 15. Yeah. Um. So it's like, it's weird. I, I remember when I got married, my my uh, mother-in-law was like, you can call me mom. I'm like, I don't even call my stepmom mom, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And like, I, I, uh, my mom wanted me to call him dad. I just called him Marvin. You know, Marvin also a good name and also a black name Yeah, yeah, yeah. is really, you don't meet a lot of white guys named Marvin, Marvin and Cliff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we have that in common. We're just two black guys. Just just stuck in these white bodies. <laughs> oh shit! I said that killed me. Stuck in these white bodies. Uh, that was like such a Jeff Paulism. What's the relationship with the stepbrothers then? Uh, yeah, you know they're they're cool. Uh, my one brother lives out in Bracebridge. He's got a funny family. Like he's like he works on. What's the age difference with your? Are you still the youngest? Are you? Or sorry, yeah. Are so you this youngest? is weird. So for me, I was an only child with my mom, my dad, mm-hmm. and then he brings in the three step kids. So all of a sudden, I'm the youngest. Mm-hmm. They're all older. I don't know the exact ages. Mm-hmm. And then they have a kid together, my younger brother. And then suddenly, I'm like a middle child. Uh, okay, okay. But also like an older like older brother just to him. So I feel like I've had every role yeah. in the family in a sense, like yeah. a vestibule of uh, sibling roles, mm-hmm. and. And uh, my little brother, we're like best friends. Like I get along with him really well. My brother Herbie, he's a bit of a numpty. He's just he works at a lumber yard. He has a family. His uh, he's got two kids. His one kid is really funny because he uh, he came up to me. You know Tyler Shazma? Yep. Yeah, we drove up to go visit. We're just having a day in Muskoka. Anytime you can go around trees, Tyler's like, yeah, yeah, bring me around trees. <laughs> I love trees. <laughs> so we went up around trees, and uh, he goes up to Shazma, my little nephew, and he's like, hey. Uh, one day, I think our teeth will be sharp enough that we can eat the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of like, that just sums up, every, honestly, I know that's weird, but that sums up that family in a nutshell. Tell the kid to take a bite next time his <laughs> dentist fingers are in there, eh? Well, just like, he's got to be like looking at the dentist dead eye, like one day, <laughs> another dentist is going to be flossing my teeth for you, you know? <laughs> Like, just like, yeah, so they live in, like, Bracebridge, and they're just, like, up north folk, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, My oldest brother, Paul, he's awesome. He's, like, the guy I look up to in life. Um, Got his girlfriend, well, his now wife, but uh, they had their first kid when they were 13. Jesus. And everyone said, I remember, and I was, like, this was uh, shortly when I was, like, five or six, like, right after that, they ended up uh, pregnant. And uh, everyone was, like... You're, this isn't going to last. These, you're not going to, this is ruining your life. You're too young and all this stuff. They had to drop out of high school. It's just the reality of what it was. So they raised the, they raised their daughter, Ashley. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, they got their GED. He ended up working in an auto shop. Uh, she ended up working at uh, like Zellers and stuff for a while and then got a factory job and started her own photography business. And now he owns the auto shop. Okay. With his uh, with his best friend and cousin, and uh, he owns it. Three kids uh, now. His daughter Ashley has a kid. Did, did um yeah, like they've just muscled through. Did you know? they like did they take some time off after having one at thirteen? Like was there a big gap or were they? <laughs> um, like... I think about five years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So did the it... next one was like in their twenties. Like okay, uh, that's, that's my that's good math there. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. So that would have been like eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they're still together. 
Yeah, Since man. 13, that's They're good. still together because like he's got such a positive attitude. Mm-hmm. He just believes that he's going to overcome these situations with a lot of hard work and muscling through it. It's your uh, it's your half brother, your younger brother, right? Yeah, yeah. He's mm-hmm. the same. So he is they were born the same year. Ten months difference between him and Ashley. Older or younger? Um, so he's older. Okay. So yeah, so he's ten months older than his niece. Yeah, my uh, yeah, my I had a uh, my cousin who died. He was one year to the day. Uh, younger than my youngest aunt in my dad's family. Oh, wow. But my, my stepmom has a brother. It, her youngest brother has um, nieces and nephews older than him. Okay. So he was like in high school, like his nickname was Uncle Miles because he had like three three uh, nieces and nephews older than him. And like his, his uh, older or the one uh, nephew, uh, big hockey guy, okay. he was like his protector. So he was always protecting his uncle in high school, that- you know? <laughs> No, don't fuck with my uncle. <laughs> That's funny. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, and like Jeff's like best friends with Ashley, so it's like weird because like when they're out like partying and drinking at the bar or something, yeah. like oh, yeah, it's my uncle, <laughs> right? Like let's go do shots with my uncle. Like, like what? Like, That's Is he weird. a creepy uncle? No, he's <laughs> good friend. <laughs> it's strange. Like even like even my wife like she has a brother relationship with my little brother. Like he's just got this way about him that just mm-hmm. he feel like I feel like if he was here long enough, you would feel like he's a little brother. He has a little brother feel. Okay. He just has that. He's like he's always got some problem that's easily fixable, mm-hmm. but you need to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know? The the religion that comes from uh, both mom and dad or just mom? It's come uh, this is where like things get uh, weird. It, it comes from me. Comes from you. From me. I'm the one that started this mess. So your parents, not they, religious. My at mom all. was raised Catholic, but didn't care. Yeah. And then my and same with my my dad didn't care. Like they were pretty non-religious. Mm-hmm. I was coming home from school one day. There was a guy outside of the the gates handing out pamphlets, and you took pamphlets. One? <laughs> Ron Nanskaville was his name, <laughs> and he had a vacation Bible school flyer. And I've always been fascinated with stories. I've been a storyteller since I was like... That's why you love the Bible. Oh, (laughs) Well, that's how he pitched it to me. He's telling me about Samson ripping a tiger in half, Goliath going down. I'm like, what is this HBO shit? (laughs) You know, I'm like, let's do this, right? Like, I'm getting... I was like, this is friggin' epic. Like, if... Because if the Bible was a TV show, it would have to be on HBO. It is so violent and horrible, you know? So it's just like, I was like... I was really fascinated with those stories. Stories. And then you, know, you go there and you get orange drink, you know, oh, and snacks. Love the orange drink. God, I love the orange drink. That was, uh, oh, that was good. Straight to my veins. I love that. And uh, yeah, and like it was really fun. And then there was a, a, a day camp. So I asked to go to the camp. And then there's Sunday school. And I asked to go to Sunday school. And there was a Tuesday, uh, mo- like mom's group. I told my mom to go to the women's group. Eventually, I converted my whole family. Really? My dad still goes to Baptist church. My mom still goes to church. I ended up converting my entire family. Did, when you, I did your mom before. go back to Catholic church? Or? No, she she attends a Baptist. Okay. Yeah, the evangelical. So, because um, that's the whole. You ask Jesus in your heart, or uh, you go to hell thing, mm-hmm. and so it's a. I feel like the evangelical church has a better time holding people because their fear factor feels personal, mm-hmm. right? Like it's like, oh, your personal relationship with Jesus, you're backhanding your personal relationship with Jesus. We're in the Catholic Church. It's just like, well, say this magic. Uh, How old are you when uh, this all starts happening? That was grade four, so like ten years old. Ten years old. Well, that's yeah. like uh, when I was, yeah, when I was grade four. That my cousin died in a car accident, and then uh, Wait, at that age, when I I was I was that age. He was okay. uh, he had just turned seventeen. Oh and, shit! Um, that's when I was like. I remember they did this thing for they're like they need new altar boys. I was going to Catholic school to begin with, yeah. And we uh, they're like, oh, we need altar boys, and I was like, hey, let's give this a go because I had questions, yeah, and I needed answers, and then or they just didn't really answer them for me, you know. So I kind of just yeah. went my own way. It's interesting. A lot of people with the Catholic Church have those experiences with death because the Catholic Church doesn't know how to explain death. Mm-hmm. They explain it in a very like meticulous way. You know, very much like, you know, in the majesty of this and the really get to that. And uh, we just can't connect to that. We don't understand that. These ideas of heaven or hell, as much as you can try to scare us with it or make it try to attract us with it, we don't get it. We don't know what eternity would look like or anything like that. We just know what here and now feels like, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's where church loses a lot of people. I, I, I kind of go back now where I'm just like, uh, 
I'm trying very hard to be kind no matter what. Are you yeah. are you still heavily involved after getting thrown out of Bible school? No. No? Like it, it breaks my heart actually. I wish I was. Um so are you yeah. raising your son with any religion? We're trying to figure that out, man, because like uh, like I have such a juxtap like how do I even put this? It's such a catch twenty two with me because like I have this like I like if you were to say to me, Hey Cliff, do you have like do you have Christian faith? I would just say yes. Mm-hmm. Like I would just answer you, yeah, I do. I, I, I pray, I have faith, I have certain things that guide my morals. But like do I attend a church? Am I part of a faith community? No. Cause I think religion fails on all fronts. Mm-hmm. And I separate those two completely. Like a personal faith mm-hmm. and like religion, just religion no matter what fails. It's the same way capitalism fails us, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it's just the the you watch the latest Dave Chappelle special? No, not yet. Okay, well, he just goes on a little rant about how you can't change like certain individuals in the system. You got to change the system. Mm-hmm. And he uses South Africa after apartheid as an example. But I've always been in that mindset of like once I realized what the system was, that I didn't want to belong to the system. Same with the work system. That's why I want to be a comedian because I don't really want to give into the worker beast. Well, it's syndrome. everything: working, religion, school. Every, it's yeah. conforming. They want you on a certain path. Well, yeah, and everything's like even like the education system right now is just people are losing their minds at the moment trying to be so inclusive where they're actually getting away from ed- actual education. That's what's happening at my friend's school. They do feeling circles every Thursday mm-hmm. where they talk and, and they wear colors that represent their feelings that day. And I'm just like, I, do that with your parents. Like, let's just learn some basic math. Like, I didn't even know that uh, 13 plus 5 wasn't 20. <laughs> <laughs> right so like like and i had a better education so like let, let's just uh dial it back a bit here. <laughs> you come from a simple man we understand <laughs> where what side of the fence are you sitting on right now like you, but you're then, against okay. you're against organized religion Def- but you're still a i'm definitely faithful against, man yeah i'm a faithful man i'm definitely against organized religion but like and i keep having uh you know there's a lot of people that are going to say they don't like religion for whatever reason but not a lot of them have been through it like, and I'm not just saying hurt by the church, right? I'm saying like politically, like I was in a political situation where I was in front of a judicial committee. Uh, I was I was canned because uh, like uh, the way it reflect on supporters, mm-hmm. like literally like a patsy kind of situation, right? So you look in those and like when you're involved in a political situation at the age of 19, it really opens your eyes to what things are. It made me super jaded. That's what led towards my alcoholism, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I kept feeling like I was getting hurt by this religion. And then as uh, soon as like my, my son was born, uh, this, you know, just over a year ago, and my wife's family is very charismatic and over the top. And uh, what was happening on the day of my son's birth was my uh, uh, my wife's, uh, she wasn't, what's it called? Dilating properly. Yeah. Right. And, uh, the oxytocin, every time they would induce it to try to get her to dilate, my son's heartbeat was going dangerously low. So they're like, we need an emergency C-section to which her family lost their shit, started like screaming, crying, emotional, like something right out of like a soap opera. Right. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, you cannot have uh you cannot have a c-section we have to wait for jesus to perform a miracle Uh, a miracle (laughs) and i'm like uh we got one she's standing right there holding a scalpel (laughs) so let's let the miracle do her miracle job and save my wife and kid what are you doing right now and i got so emotional is your wife conscious during this yes but she's she's saying cut it out of me she can't she was so weak she's just like she was asking them to leave they wouldn't even listen to her you know, and I'm th- and I'm there when you are supporting a woman giving birth. One of the most traumatic experiences a woman can experience. Everyone wants to say, oh, childbirth, pain, pain for beauty, blah, blah, blah. It is traumatic. OK, and it's very emotional and very difficult for a woman to go through this. My job as a support person in that situation was to be her beam, to protect her and be there for her and get her through this really tough experience and they didn't have that same you know like uh they weren't conscientious of that uh, that day i lost it in front of like in front of Lindsay, in front of the doctors because my this isn't just what's happening on this day this is my entire history 
<laughs> my entire history with the church coming back on one day yeah, with yeah. the birth of my son, the kid I'm going to raise, and all this shit's coming back to me, and I flipped. I was just like, who the fuck do you people think you are? You're constantly taking the cross of Jesus Christ, turning it upside down and using it as a sword, <laughs> and use your religion as a fucking weapon, and that ma- that's what makes you ugly. Ooh. That makes you ugly. And I just got my mom to get him out, and it was really bad. We've mended things since. Yeah. <laughs> In case they listen to this. <laughs> I don't know why I feel like every one of my family members is going to listen to this like, podcast. Oh, the potato file. <laughs> <laughs> they like potatoes. Oh, then they like this podcast. <laughs> I think the only listener. Yeah, we haven't I know- talked about potatoes once. What is this shit? We have, uh, t- Tim Golden listens. That's all I know. So. Hey, Tim. I haven't seen Tim in years. Well, he's a Tim's good guy. He's still great. Don't you he, worry. He's an awesome dude. Yeah. Is every every episode you mention Tim and then oh, I mention him every episode. And then everyone goes, oh, I fucking love Tim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay. Nobody has a bad thing to say about Tim Golden. <laughs> he's a great guy. <laughs> um, so you go with the C-section, I take it? Yes. Went with the C-section. So my survivalist mom, right? This is where, like, you know, I, uh, you've probably seen I love the show Big Brother, Survivor. I'm obsessed with this stuff. And I always talk about how my mom's the best Big Brother player in the world because of what she's been through. Yeah. She just knows how to work people. And this is how freaking maniacal she is. <laughs> So I go to my mom, I'm like, this is crazy. People are losing their shit. The doctors want to call security. I'm like, mom, can you handle this? <laughs> and I use my that word very carefully. <laughs> handle. I just, and she knew what I meant by that when yeah. I said handle this. She starts rolling up her sleeves. Oh, <laughs> you just start stretching out the knuckles. Just saying, all right, let's go. And so my mom walks out with her sister and her mom. And I don't see him. We go into uh, we go into the operating room. I, I meet my son. It's very emotional. We're just like, holy fuck, this day, right? Like it's just like we're at the end of it, and we're uh, we're happy. And we come out, and there's a moment where everyone puts their guns down, and they're coming. To, we're gonna. We're, it's time to celebrate this new life, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to be petty at the moment. We're just going to put it down. And everyone's like ooing and aahing over the baby, and like, oh my god, he's got feet. It was amazing, and you know, everyone's just losing it. And uh, I go to my little brother because he was there too. And I'm like, what did she do, man? I gotta know how did she do it. How did she keep them out? Tell me. And he looks at me. He's just like, you're not gonna believe me. I'm like, lay it on me, because I can. At this point, I'm just like, I can't wait. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, because I love these stories of my mom. My mom has a million of them, and they're all my favorite stories. So I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. And so he goes, okay. So what happened? And my brother swears by this. And since my my stepdad has confirmed the story, so it's absolutely 100 percent true. They go into the waiting room. There's some strangers. There's my stepbrother. I'm uh, not my stepbrother. My little brother, my stepdad, my mom. Her sister, her mom, and her dad. And my mom looks at everyone, and there's some strangers. And she's like, oh, my God. The, the baby's going to die. Lindsay's going to die. This is the most dire situation we've ever been in. We must pray harder than we've ever prayed before. And she gets them all in a circle links arms and gets like gets them on their fucking knees and my mom literally holds them hostage in prayer <laughs> like maniacal Doc, cut it out Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> maniacal i'm like what she did that there's no way and afterwards i was talking to my mom about that she's like i feel very bad i'm gonna ask for forgiveness <laughs> i'm like holy shit mom you're nuts but uh well, good. The kid came out healthy. The wife's puss is still intact. Yeah, man. Like so, we're well, coming up cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Life's good, dude. And I love being a dad, right? Like it's just uh, it's fucking fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get into uh, I, I guess uh, when do you when do you start hitting the booze? Like a teenager? yeah, that, that was I did. Uh, as every teenager, you know, you drink and kind of lose yourself a, a bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really think it was a problem then. I was just like every other kid, yeah, just having a good time, stealing a bunch of Lakeport loggers and. Uh, Oh, yeah, you drink a couple of those, and then you would steal lawn gnomes from people's porches and throw them against the trains. Uh, it's a typical Oshawa teenager. <laughs> that anyone from Oshawa listening to this? Well, yeah, yeah, I was probably yeah, there with Yeah, 10 gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to find, like, address rocks on opposite ends of the city and, like, switch them. <laughs> Shit like that, you know? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until, like, uh, I didn't start drinking... 
to you know medicinally, if you want to call it that, <laughs> um, till after the Bible college incident. Okay, it, so that's the catalyst. That, that uh, was the catalyst. Sends you down the uh, rabbit hole. It was weird because I'm I wasn't. You're not allowed to go to the liquor store when you go to that school. And then I was expelled, and I was like, well, fuck it, I can go to the liquor store now. Mm-hmm. So I went to the liquor store. I remember this was the day after, uh, no, a couple of days after my expulsion, but I was staying at a place looking for a new place to live, and uh, I went to. I didn't know what to drink. I had money and I didn't know what to order, you know? Yeah. Like I was like, what do I drink? And so I got a mudslide. <laughs> She's hiding under a bridge in Oshawa getting drunk on mudslides. Well, no, I was in Cambridge, I was in Cambridge at the time, Cambridge. Okay. But like, uh, so I get mudslides, but then I didn't know how you're supposed to drink a mudslide. Like you just drink it like milk. So I poured it in my cereal. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, I guess this is cereal booze. <laughs> Tasted awesome. What and kind of cereal? Something real sugary. No, it, yeah, it was. Uh, it Fruit was loops and mudslides. No, no, no. It was uh, the Flintstone Pebbles. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember the chocolate Flintstone Pebbles. Buddy got them for me from the states. I remember that. That was so funny. Yeah, and I was drinking. That was my. <laughs> that's so sad. That that's my first foray into alcoholism is uh, mudslide cereal. Funny. <laughs> and but then as time went on. This fucking city is what really did it. When I came here and I started doing film school, I just let loose, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I ended up, like, that's when I really started discovering whiskey was going to be my... Yeah, whiskey's always a good time. What a dangerous, what a dangerous <laughs> lover. Uh-huh. All allowed is what my buddy Lee calls it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I'm the kind of guy, like, I have enough energy and exuberance as is just being, like, mm-hmm. sober with you right now. Like, yeah. you don't want me drunk. Like, it's just, I'm the most obnoxious guy in the room. How long have you been sober? Uh, three years. Three just years? over three years last October. What so. was uh, rock bottom? What what, uh, what happened where you're like, I got a fucking... One of the rock bottoms was uh, Barry Taylor was running a show in Hamilton with Megan Pettit, and I drunkenly came in and, didn't like, hackled and ruined the show, and mm-hmm. I got taken off of nxne because of my shit behavior <laughs> i was such a dick but you know like barry's actually been a good example to me at how he handled that situation because he was like listen man you're uh you got a problem you gotta go like deal with it i'm taking you off the festival that doesn't mean forever it's just for now go work on your shit it was very gracious and then uh i ended up getting sober and it was like a year or two later that i ended up doing an xne with them and uh which you you don't see that really right now you see someone does something wrong Okay, let's get rid of him. Yeah. Let's just isolate him and like annihilate him where he yeah, yeah. like he Put was on like, the shit list. Yeah, where he was just like, listen, I can't give you this right now because you're being a fucking asshole. Yeah. But work out your asshole stuff and we're good. Mm-hmm. And when, and he Barry's literally a good man. He literally said water under the bridge and we moved on. But it was an act like that that was like that kind of like graciousness mm-hmm. that really led me to be like you know, he's got a point. Because if someone was like, I almost feel like if it was met with hostility, I would have drank further. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if it was met with a certain level of uh, professionalism and maturity, mm-hmm. which, uh, and I want to be a professional comedian. So catapult me towards that, please and thank you. Mm-hmm. And it still took me a while. But then the comedians like Jerry Hall, Craig Gass, they pointed me in the right direction. Craig Gass was uh, like nine years sober when we met. So he was like going to AA meetings the with The impression me. guy? Yeah, yeah, uh, from, yeah, yeah. He, he's from LA. Yeah, but he would come I, down I here. Didn't you do a show with us, like with K Trev and me and him? I don't think maybe. Yeah, I, I Cadillac Lounge, right, dude? I'm almost positive we got you on one of those shows. Maybe I think so because yeah, I remember because I knew Craig Gas from the Stern show. Yes, and so uh, I emailed him and I asked him if I could be on a show, and he said, "Yeah, you can be on the first show, and if you're good, I'll put you on the second show." And then he put me on all weekend. But then the next day, K Trev asked me if he could get on, so then I asked for K Trev, and he asked for you. Yeah, I'm yeah, positive yeah, you were on yeah, on that Saturday night years ago. Yeah, nice. So life's good sober. I want to get into. Um, I thought you were supposed to ask me hard-hitting questions. I don't. Okay. Like, I want to like, know. Can you get it? Like, like, I'm just like, what is this? Like, you're pelting me with cotton balls. <laughs> I'm asking about alcoholism and fucking... What else do you want? I talk about this on a Monday morning. Where did morning. you hide the bodies? That's what I want to know. <laughs> this is Monday morning conversation with the crossing guard. Okay. Um, let's... <laughs> Let's get into um, you. You're a, you're a large man. When did the, was was well, you? You want to get hard hitting? Why are you so fat? <laughs> Why are you so fat? Uh, yeah. Anyways, I gotta go. But it's been great. Thank you so much. Were you a big kid? Um, I was. You know what? I was. Uh, the other kids told me I was a big kid. Mm-hmm. 
I wasn't a big kid. <laughs> but the other kids made sure to let me know I was a big kid. Somehow I became a big kid. That's really what it is. I don't want to blame yeah. it on that, but uh, I was in grade five when I started growing man tits. Okay. Yeah. That's not a good uh, That's not a good age. Not a good kids, age. Kids aren't, kids aren't nice to boys with titties. They're not. <laughs> but it is in line with when the girls are getting titties too so and that was my that was my go-to thing in high school right i'd go up to the girls and be like oh my god i think my tits are bigger than yours <laughs> and then the girls would be like no i like well we're gonna have to do a cleavage contest like, listen i feel bad about that <laughs> using your power and influence right <laughs> <laughs> I wore trucker hats and listened to Avril. <laughs> like, I don't know what influence. You're a large man. You intimidate women. Um, uh, no. But it was, it's always been a, a struggle. I actually think it's a harder struggle than alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Because even now, like, like this goes down to the sensitive stuff, right? I didn't develop uh, properly emotionally. Mm-hmm. I just didn't, right? Like, I had depression and anxiety at a very, very young age. And that's from a lot of childhood traumas, right? So, like, as I got older, it was very uh, difficult for me to compartmentalize. Like, even if you were to say something mean about me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you were to tell me, hey, Cliff, you know, I was just kidding, I'm busting your balls. I would probably still need to have a conversation with you for closure or else I will obsess over this forever. I might eat over this. I might cry in the shower over this. Do you go to food when like when the depression hits? For sure. That's what I I, I realized about myself because I I, I got some weight to lose. Um, A little bit. You look good though. I've just lost 20 pounds in the last two months. So it's... it's, I was going to say, you look look leaner. It's going down and I want to continue it going down. Uh, well, it's getting married again too. Yeah. And excited for well, the I realized that it's I don't have a weight problem. I have a willpower problem. If I control what I'm putting in my body, I can actually like my weight goes away. Yeah. Um. But like I don't know. Like how you're how big are you? Um. So uh, my my biggest is three ninety six. Uh, last year, I was hovering around three seventy six, and mm-hmm. now I'm at uh, three fifty six. Mm-hmm. So I'm losing weight too. Yeah. Um. But like yeah, it's I've hit a wall, and when I actually when I hit that wall, it was probably around uh, last October. I got so depressed, like literally, like because I I just lost twenty five pounds. Well, like, and I was just like, holy shit, I've never lost this. Weight. I'm going to be skinny soon. I'm going to yeah. be, oh my God, I can't wait. And then I hit the wall and then it just, ah, it bummed me out so Well, yeah, bad. that's like, I feel like, because I, I dropped a bunch real quick and then yeah. now I'm just like slow. I'm like, why is this, the rest of it not going? And this is where, this is where the real progress happens mm-hmm. because this is the, this is when your willpower is put to the test. Like, can you muscle through the millimeters? Because it's not happening in miles anymore. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was happening. Like, um, my uh, my girlfriend, she was uh, complaining because we we're both doing the same regimen, whatever. Yeah. And she's like, "You're losing so much weight." I'm not. I'm like, "Yeah, I've got it to lose." Like you don't. She's not a big like big girl, so yeah. it's not gonna. My they always said the last five to ten pounds is yeah. the hardest to lose, and if she has anything to lose, that's it. You that's know? it. It's that last so, five. Like yeah. that's gonna take a long time. Where if I've got. 40 pounds to lose the first 20 are coming off real quick and then yeah. it's a, a struggle through the rest well my wife's trying to gain right now yeah right? I, so, I always wondered how the hell you have such a hot wife <laughs> man thanks so much man <laughs> appreciate that uh yeah like me too dude but all the wedding speeches were like uh we don't know how she's with clifford but here we are <laughs> like i don't did, know man is she uh did you meet her through uh through church i met her through bible college uh, yeah. I, so after my expulsion, I actually argued my way back into the school. Mm-hmm. My first act of big brotherism, <laughs> right? Like I talked my way back in, and I only lasted a little longer. But my wife went for one semester, and that's where I met her. And she was so uh, interesting to me because she was uh, very sheltered, mm-hmm. very, very pure, and very, very, very honest. The most honest person I've ever known in my life. And I've been, I'm very attracted to honesty. What, how old were you when you meet her? I was 19. She was 20. Is she uh, the first, uh, first vagina you saw? She was my first girlfriend. I was her first boyfriend. We waited till we're married Pure to have sex. souls, eh? 
Man, oh man. I know. People uh, usually usually comics make fun of me for that. No, that's fuck, man. To each their own. I always say I feel like a stranger in two worlds because as a Christian, comedians tend to you know not really accept me for that, and as a mm-hmm. comedian, Christians don't tend to accept me, mm-hmm. right? So I always uh, like Mormon people. Like, hey, you know what? Good for you guys. That I was um, your choice. I'm 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 a, I'm a very atheist. I I yeah. like I grew up with religion. I can't stand it. I do question when people. Uh, follow it for sure. But no, like the uh, like the way you lay it out. You're like, I don't follow religion. You have faith, and you just... yeah. But that that faith is a driving force of a lot of my decisions, mm-hmm. right? And like, I like how- when you say okay, like because you're not you don't follow religion, but yeah. do you is Jesus still on top of everything? Like, is that I don't even like. If he is, I don't know his role. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's someone I think about often. I think about his words often. Think his words, wh- I think, what about he a do. Lot. Yeah, a lot th- of people think Jesus <laughs> too. <laughs> Almost got that tattooed on me. Almost got that tattooed on me when I was 19 years old. Thank God I made better tattoo decisions. What is, what is this? Pineapple pizza. Pineapple pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up believing in a new religion. <laughs> this is my religion now. Pineapple belongs on pizza. Yeah, it's uh no, like I wouldn't say like oh I do this because of Jesus, but I will say when I wake up I'm thinking like hey, is there something I can do that just makes me a better person today? Well, that's the whole thing what religion is is just pretty much trying to give you guidelines of how not to be a fucking asshole. But it, and it's so treat be- your neighbor well. Yeah. Uh, but there's some real there's real wisdom in the Bible. That I no matter what you think of religion or whatnot, there is wisdom in the Bible. There mm-hmm. just is. And one of my favorite things is like uh, you know, you know the phrase turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. right? Some people use that as a passage about pacifism, right? It's actually one of the smartest fucking things Jesus ever wrote about, like ever said in the Bible there. Because uh, in that culture at the time, if someone were to backhand you, an authority were to backhand you, and you were to turn the other cheek, this was actually a form of anti-authoritarianism. So, because what you're now doing by turning the other cheek, you're either going to force him to hit you with an open hand, which would make him an equal, mm-hmm. right? Or use your left hand that you wipe with, <laughs> which would make him less than. Okay. So by turning the other cheek, you're saying, I reject your authority. You're going to treat me as either your equal or less than you. See, I always thought that you get hit on your right cheek. You're like, fuck that hurt. Give him the left. This time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Yeah. Protect yourself. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to sting too bad, right? No, it, it, it's stuff like that that's really fascinating. And mm-hmm. like, and someone like you could hear that and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's just the end of it. Like, there's nothing more to yeah. it than that for no, me. I, but like, I understand why religion is there. Uh, I hate the fact that fucking all these religions can't just work together it's weird especially and like because I, I have a quran in my uh in my apartment and it's, it's have you read it i have uh, not the whole thing but i've read a good amount of it and it's uh very very similar mm-hmm. it even actually starts off in almost the exact same way yeah 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 like like genesis in the beginning of the quran is very similar uh you know there's talking about muhammad and allah and they're talking about jesus and god but it's mm-hmm. Yeah, like, like I, I find it, like, I'm very, I'm still very interested in, like, biblical interpretation and theology and stuff like that, but I'm not, like, swamped by it in, in that sense that, like, it controls me the way religion controls you. Mm-hmm. And usually it's through guilt or through obligation. Did, uh, did you, um, have, to, I guess, did you use religion to help you quit drinking? No. No, because that's, that's, AA is all about, I, I know a lot of people yeah. that have gone to AA that are atheists and they're like, the higher power thing, and I, yeah. and, and my buddy Craig, like he's a he's an AA truther, uh, like through and through. I went to counseling. Mm-hmm. I actually am having my very last counseling session with her next Friday. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I'm doing now in Hamilton, I'm starting a monthly show for people in recovery. I got a venue to agree to not serve alcohol, okay. do a completely dry event. So it's cool now because now I get to turn into advocacy and still do great comedy in my own community in Hamilton. And mm-hmm. it is like, I like it, you know, like I like where I am now, but you kind of had to go go through it is to you, get here. But. You going to stay in Hamilton? No. No? No, we might be moving this year, man. Where are you heading? Uh, we're looking at the outskirts of KW. 
Oh, yeah? Yeah, Mennonite country. The nice. last true badasses. <laughs> Go out there, join yeah. a Crokinole League, and just oh, have a good time, eh? Oh, my God. <laughs> my stepdad beat K-Trev in a Crokinole tournament. Oh, yeah? Yeah, every time he sees K-Trev on TV, he's like, well, I beat him in Crokinole. I would fucking dominate your dad in Crokinole. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we, should have a, we should have a day, man. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's that's pretty much our hour. I think we uh, got through. I'm sorry I didn't get to the hard hitting questions. Weak. Just tell me Weak. why you're in love with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me like, why your stepdad took her from you. <laughs> just at the, at the very end, I'll be like, so I've had sex with my mother twice. <laughs> but thanks so much for having uh, me, buddy. On, this dude. was a great talk. I'm, uh, I'm 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 glad you reached out and said you want to. You want to have a potato file open I, up I wanted it. to do this because I, I saw that you were doing it, and it was one of those things where I would see it passing on Instagram like like mm-hmm. a year ago when you started. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be just like another failed podcast. Hey, we're doing all right. You're doing all right. And <laughs> it was, it's cool because you have the consistency, which you really need for a podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Well, Alex here at Never Sleeps Network, he's uh, he's really the driving force behind this. and He, uh, he really is rocking it. Like, yeah, he he's doing great. Very he's got, great. We yeah. got like uh, 10 podcasts on the network, and he's uh, he's working his ass off. We got, we got our nice studio. Did you do you like the Never Sleep Studio? I like it. I like the antlers. Yeah, uh, we got a bed. You need to a take bed a in nap. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering how this podcast ends. Like, do I have a new life experience ahead of me? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on my shoulders. We're going to head out in the city. You're not drinking at all, eh? No cravings? No, you're, you're, you've beaten it? Uh, not beaten it, it's- but like I've just... Uh, it's not a big issue for me right now. Like right now, food. Food's yeah. the big one, right? So like, that's uh, that's let's, what I'm trying to tackle next. Let's get that out of control. Any, any here. This is my suggestion. Anytime you have a craving for something, uh, just tattoo it on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna be covered in a week. It's all gonna be the same slice of pizza. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you for coming. Uh, let people know where they can find you. You give out your socials and all that. Yeah, stuff. my name's Clifford, like the big red dog. Myers, like the serial killer. Uh, so, like, just at Clifford I think Myers. He was a movie, movie <laughs> horror guy, wasn't he? Not. I don't think. He, whatever. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to get into it. Andrew Barr will write a letter about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, if you if you follow me on Twitter, I'll follow back. Uh, Instagram's mostly the pictures of uh, just day to day life. You'll see a lot of cute pictures of my boy. And uh, Facebook, uh, the odd inspirational post and show dates and all that. Nice, nice. Well, Cliff, we are very happy to have you here. Hamilton's finest. Thank uh, you so much. But really, really, he's an Oshawa boy. <laughs> at heart, for sure. Uh, my name is Jeff Paul. Guys, it's been another episode of The Potato Files here on Never Sleeps Network. Uh, you know where to find me, guys. I'm at the Underground Comedy Club every single Wednesday night doing the old dope and my comedy. Jeff Paul Comedy on all the socials. And uh, come see me out at the uh, Yuck Yucks. They usually put me on stage, too, guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for Clifford for being our guest. And thank you to Alex Ross at Never Sleeps Network. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. the five people still listening and mom thank you for listening to the potato files here on never sleeps network now that you're done this go check out another nsn podcast created right here in toronto comedy and wrestling fans check out casey corbin's wrestling podcast talk and wrestling here on NeverSleepsNetwork.com. thanks for listening bye bye